0: Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to the show today. Today's guest has been making music since the mid-1990s. He spent 10 years touring the world and recording as a member of Brian Culberson's band before striking out on his own. His second release in 2019, entitled Intention and Purpose, really pushed him into the spotlight with his two top 20 hits, If Only You Knew and The Edge. It has been said that this man is one of the few people who have the ability to play like Coltrane and sing like Marvin Gaye. Uh, This brother is a saxophonist, a vocalist, a songwriter, an arranger, and a producer. Please welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, Mr. Marquel Jordan. Marquel, thank you for being on, man. Hey,
1: what's going on, Carl, man? Good to see you. Thanks for having me, man. Looking forward to this.
0: It's a pleasure, man, to have you on. The last time I saw you, you were doing a show in Milwaukee just before COVID hit. And right. that, that shut us Same. all down for a, a minute. So how did you spend your time during uh, during that COVID shutdown, man?
1: Musically, it was, it was kind of an interesting time because I think I started off pretty good. I, I, I was starting to work on uh, some music mm-hmm. and uh, I got I had a really good like the first month was I think it was terrifying for everybody yeah. because we just didn't know what was going to happen. And um, then I kind of got my bearings, you know, for the first three or four months. But then, unfortunately, a really good friend and a collaborator, the drummer by the name of Kahari Parker passed away. And that's really Yeah, I mean, he's a great, he was a great drummer, great human
2: being.
1: Um, He passed away like the end of June of 2020. And that really kind of threw me for a loop. So, you know, I was doing some music, but it was really just performance wise, it just kind of lost, it was just a real emotional time, like really for the rest of the year. And and 2021 came and I just kind of trying to pick myself back up and and getting back in the swing of things. So but, you know, I think Personally, though, it was what everybody has kind of gone through, the ups and downs Mm -hmm. and just trying to figure out how to be okay with whatever this new reality is going to be and the emotional roller coaster that we all were on. So I I I felt like I didn't feel any different from anyone else in that regard.
0: You know, you make a really good point there, Marquel, because I think that, um, you know, for for our listeners, you know, we. COVID was something that touched everybody. There was there was nobody that couldn't yeah. be touched. And, and it, it didn't care who you were. It didn't care if you were famous. It didn't care if you were not famous. It didn't care if you had $5 million in a bank or, or 500 in a bank or $5 in a bank. Yeah. It did not care. It touched everybody, right? And yeah. I was having a conversation with a gentleman the other day who said – who asked me a really profound question and 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 I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ask that same question of you. It was mm-hmm. what did you learn most about yourself during that experience?
1: I learned that um that probably for better or for worse, I'm driven by emotion. Mm-hmm. And um it doesn't always serve me well, yeah. but it is also the thing that has made me who I am
0: yeah. as
1: a musician, as a performer, as a human being, and it's trying to find a balance to not be so emotional that great things make me so high yeah. or, you know, horrible things make me so low, just to try to find a balance of everything where I can function. I think that's the thing that I, because I didn't really realize,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I knew I was, you know, a pretty emotional person, yeah. but I didn't realize the depths of which I could go to and, and how it affected me, you know? And that was that was pretty profound for me. I think the other thing that I learned is, just like what you mentioned, it 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 affected everybody regardless of income status, yeah. ethnicity, whatever it was. So it, it just it was a good equalizer for the entire world. I felt like yeah. the entire like world was like two weeks away from panic.
2: Yeah. And, yeah. and that
1: yeah. that actually made me feel a lot better about where I was in in, in the state of the world and the state of my life too. Yeah. So it was it was encouraging, but it was really eye-opening at yeah. the same
0: time. Yeah. Well, it's great, though, that you that you got something from it, you know, that you were mindful enough of yourself to say, yeah, this is what I'm learning about myself and this is what I'm taking away. And I think that's one of the out of out of out of difficult times like that, you know, we can find some lessons in it to kind of help us to go forward in a more positive fashion. Right. So absolutely. So absolutely. So man, when I look at the list of people that you have worked with, the Isley Brothers, Gerald Albright, Jill Scott, David Sanborn, and ladies and gentlemen, I'm just I'm just scratching the surface, right? I can't Mm -hmm. help but wonder, like having worked with all of these superstars, man, like what do you learn from being around these folks and that you incorporate into how you do what you do? Humility. Okay. I, I think I think all of the
1: people that you mentioned, they, they're not really any different from myself other than maybe they got started or were discovered earlier at an earlier age. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them got s- discovered around the age that, you know, I was really getting serious about things. And all of the people that are great, they're all, for the most part, very, very humble.
2: Yeah,
1: They're very appreciative of of everybody they encounter, whether it's like, in a guest situation where, which primarily is a lot of the bigger names. That's how I wound up working with him. I was, you know, substituting, like say for instance, with Joe Scott, Yeah. I was substituting for Mike Phillips because okay. he couldn't make a show and, and we had a friendship and, and, you know, he respected my gifts. So he was, he, he plugged me in, you know, to do a couple of shows that he couldn't make. Okay. And, you know, she was just super cool and, yeah. and humble and, it just reminded me like, yeah, these, these people, and I do get starstruck. I must admit, Okay, okay. you know, but most of these people are really just down to earth human beings who happen to make great music that I happen to look up to or, or idolize or, or inspired by. And that was, that was the thing I took away from it. David Sanborn was an amazing sweetheart to work Ah, for. Just super cool. Super
0: cool. Yeah. And one of the things that I think that I, that I've come to understand too, is like, you never get to greatness without a lot of work, right? And I, people oh, don't yeah. see all that work that goes behind what happens when you're on stage. But it's it's countless hours and hours and hours of practice and playing and thinking. And I think that might be one of the reasons why some of these great people are so humble, because they just they they're about their craft and they put in the work. And they when they see somebody right. else coming up doing the same thing. You know they want to help you along. It seems like,
1: absolutely, yeah. That's that's the thing. You know they're very serious about their craft, and and I think that's probably the biggest takeaway.
2: Yeah, um, yeah,
1: to know that they, most of those guys, like I've 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 been in situations where I've been I've performed with Kirk Whalum, or I've been backstage with him in a festival or on on a cruise, mm-hmm. and he's like warming up or practicing on saxophone or on flute almost up to the very last second that he's going on stage like constantly trying to get better and that's something that i think i was surprised by as well you think oh these guys are great and they're they're always pushing to get better Mm -hmm. they don't feel like they've arrived yet
0: yeah yeah well tell me you said you get starstruck sometime tell me about one of those times where you got starstruck man
1: Oh man, this this actually goes back to high school. This okay. is a, a little bit of a funny story. So, I I grew up in Los Angeles, but my dad worked for General Motors and we moved to Kansas City, Kansas. Okay. Um because of his job. So, I was in Kansas City, Missouri with my high school girlfriend and we were going we were at the this neighborhood called the Plaza, which is a pretty like, you know, expensive part of town and yeah. all of that. Been
0: Boutiques there. Boutiques
1: and shops and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great place, right? Yeah. A lot of fountains and good stuff. Uh-huh. So we we were going to the movies, and I think this is probably around, I'm dating myself now. This is probably 1987. So at the time, I was really getting into like Branford Marcellus and Sting and, yeah. and Prince and, and things of those nature. So I'm going, in, I'm walking into the movie theater, and I hold the door behind me,
2: uh-huh.
1: and it's Sting behind me. Whoa. It's Sting. It, Okay. Like in a, in a, like a all black, you know, he almost looked like a vampire, right? <laughs> so, and he walks in and he's just quiet. And I just turn to my girlfriend and we just keep, we keep walking, obviously. And I was like, that's staying back there. That's uh-huh. staying back there. And then right behind them was Branford and Kenny Kirkland, the late, great Kenny wow. Kirkland uh, keyboardist. Yeah. And I was so starstruck that I just like, I couldn't say anything to him. I didn't, I didn't go meet him. I didn't do anything. Like the people in the concession stands were losing it. And it was like, Oh my God, it's thing. It's thing. And I was like, I, I, I would just tongue uh-huh. And like staying in, in Brantford are two of my biggest. Lives. Brantford is my favorite saxophone player of all time. Okay. And it would have been great to meet him, you know, at 16, 17 years old just to bend his ear. But yeah. I was like, These guys are here for the movie. They're not here to talk to me. So I just left them alone, but like extremely starstruck to the point of like, not being able to speak to him at yeah, all yeah, or yeah. shake shake hands or anything. It was crazy. It was uh-huh.
0: That's amazing. Because that was, uh, I, I remember that album when they all worked together, those guys, oh, yeah. Omar Hakeem and I think Janice Pendarvis was one of the background singers and
2: that yeah, was just
0: yeah. fire, man. And so, yeah, I was, mm-hmm. it's funny you mentioned that one because I was just trying to find that they did a um, documentary of that tour. And oh, yeah. the leader to that tour. And I was just trying to find it on Netflix or whatever streaming services the other day and couldn't find it. So, but yeah, yeah. that's that's amazing. That's quite the uh, that's quite the story. <laughs> I mean, I think I'd have been real starstruck on that one too, man. I think I'd have been real starstruck right. on that one too. So, absolutely, how do you describe your music to people? I think it's an
1: ever evolving process, but mm-hmm. I came up with a tagline when I started to okay. push out um, as a solo artist and actually do my own music. And in my bio, I initially said, uh, Grover, Washington meets Maxwell. Oh, wow. I think is the best way to describe what I do okay. or what I attempt to do. Yeah. Um, because, uh, growing up, I listened to a bunch of music, different styles of music. And when I moved to Chicago after graduating college, I had to play a lot of different styles of music. So okay. I got pretty comfortable in pretty much any setting, you know, especially in the city like Chicago, you have to be able to play blues one night, mm-hmm. play jazzy another night, and if you're in a wedding band, play you know the 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 most popular songs of the day, whether right. you like them or not. Right. Um, So, I think that was what I wanted to try to get across to people that you know Maxwell is obviously one of my influences, and, and Grover Washington is a god to all of the saxophone players, especially sure. in, in the contemporary jazz realm. So, I, I just wanted to portray to people or let people know that that was what I was trying to be about, soulful vocally and soulful musically. Yeah. And willing to push a little bit of boundaries, but something that people could easily identify and get into.
0: Yeah. That's cool because I tell you, as I listen to your music, man, like I hear straight ahead jazz. I hear contemporary jazz. I hear just like what you said, stuff that's more soulful, you know, and it it leaves me kind of scratching my head like, wow, how does this brother go from this to this to this? And it seems so yeah. effortless, you know?
1: Oh, man. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Um, I think that's a challenge because, you know, music is so segmented. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything is is a genre or style. And then there's a subgenre of that genre, yeah. you know, so everything is broken down for marketing purposes or radio stations or what have you. So a lot of times it's it's left me to question like, OK, well, what am I really doing or mm-hmm. What is my real direction and are people going to really follow it? But I think the older I get, the more I'm just I just got to do me. Yeah. And um, all of those things are going to come out. And hopefully it sounds like one defined thing and one defined purpose, even though it goes through all these different styles. You know, the defined thing is me. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to get across these days.
0: Well, that's good, man. Well, let's take a listen to some of you doing you, man. Uh, we're going to listen to your latest song off the forthcoming All We Have Our Moments release. This is Last Call. Heard Marquel Jordan with last call. Now, Marquel, you have a business, a degree in business administration from the <laughs> University of Kansas, huh? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. So <laughs> how does that how has that degree helped you with your music career, man?
1: You know, I'm I'm kind of left brain, right brain. Uh-huh. So I have this creative side and then I have like an analytical side as well. So I think it served me well, and you know, like, just being able to understand the business a- aspect yeah. of, of music, you know, I in retrospect, if I had it to do all over again, I would have majored in music. But okay. you know, I was I came along at a time and went to college where, you know, I was actually just talking to a good friend of mine about this uh, saxophone player by the name of D Lucas okay. uh, out of Atlanta. OK, he just talking to him about this last weekend. And he was saying, yeah, man, you came along at a time in like the late 80s where. You know, people didn't say follow your passion. They said, yeah, you know, get a good job and go do this and and have something to fall back on. And the irony about it was that was self-pressure that I felt like my parents never really pushed me in a direction, not even towards music. So I just felt like, oh, it was something I needed to do. So. I've, college was was definitely longer than it should have been and more more frustrating and confusing than it okay. should have been for me. Okay. So like the first four years, I was majoring in electrical engineering. and Oh, wow. Really did. Yeah, I didn't get far in that major at all. I was spinning my wheels a lot. And by the time I figured out um, that I should do something different or I wanted to do music, you know, that was like year four. And I would have had to start all over as a freshman if I was going to major in music. And I was like, nah, I'm already spending too much money on loans. Yeah. What degree can I get the quickest to get out of college, to, you know? Okay. And, and it, it happened to be business administration, but it, it has served me well. I mean, it, from an accounting standpoint and being able to balance a checkbook, figure yeah. out expenses for going on the road and managing a band and all of those kinds of things is yeah. definitely coming in.
0: Yeah. Good, good, good. So, so what was it that made you finally say that, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm following my passion and I'm going to do music. That's where my heart is. What, when did that happen? And what, what was the turning point? The turning
1: point really actually was meeting Brian okay. Um Prior to that, I moved to Chicago in 1995. So. For 13 years or so, you know, I've I'd, I'd been in town and playing. I've been working during the day and like the Weekend Warrior doing gigs on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in an original band towards the end of the millennium. Uh, the name of the band was entitled Fat Time. And okay. if you if you're familiar with Chicago at the time of like the turn of the millennium, there was a lot of musical Really cool things happening. There was Liquid Soul. There was mm-hmm. Smashing Pumpkins. There was Mighty Blue Kings. There was. Yeah. There were a lot of bands doing a lot of different things here. So we were a part of that, um, and we had kind of a uh, a rock, soul, R and B edge. The band was multi ethnic, and the music was kind of all over the place. It was funky. Uh-huh. and soulful. It, it was you know. It was kind of like a a want want to be or aspiring millennium version of Sly and the Family Stone. It wasn't that good. Okay. It wasn't that good. No. <laughs> but, um, but I was singing in that band and fronting the band and doing all those kinds of things. So I was able to do original music, yeah, like maybe from 1998 to maybe 2004 with okay. two different bands, that band and then an offshoot band called Star Candy. But then by that time I was married, I had a child. And uh, the other creative driving force behind that band, a good friend of mine, Scott left. Also was married and was starting to have his first children, so those things just kind of fizzled.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I was sure. just
1: doing, I was just doing bands and playing covers and doing all that kind of stuff, and really frustrated. And um, I actually got let go of my day job around October 2007. Okay. And I ran in, I ran into Brian Culverton's drummer, Chris Miskel, because he's from Chicago as well, and we right. played gigs together in town. And uh, I told him what my situation was. And he was like, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to do music full time. It's like, okay, I'll talk to Brian about you. And lo and behold, three months later, Brian was in town to open for Barry Manilow. It was his birthday. They were hanging out afterwards. And Chris was like, Brian wants to meet you. Huh. So we pretty much set up like an audition, but it was a performance at a club. And he was hanging out with his manager and uh, celebrating his birthday. Heard me playing, heard me singing in, you know, he, he asked me to play in his band. So I was 37 years old at the time, uh-huh. and that was my big, big break. And I was like, OK, once the tour really gets going, I'm not going to work a job anymore. I'm just yeah. going to push towards this. And okay. for maybe out of since 2008, there's maybe been a year or two. But ever since then, I've just been doing music. That's, That's it.
0: Fantastic. That is fantastic, yeah. man. Talk about following your dreams and really stepping out there because it's a different ball game when you have Oh yeah. When you have a family, right? It's and you mm-hmm. got to really have a a supreme level of confidence in what you do to be able to make that move, you know? And a lot of times I think people don't do that and and end up missing out on an opportunity and then just look at how and sometimes those things that that seem like they're not going well, end up being blessings in disguise, right? You know, maybe... Absolutely. You know, maybe getting let go from that job may have been one of the best things to happen to you, right?
1: Yeah, it absolutely was, because it was the thing that pushed me out of the nest. Yeah, yeah. And all of that stuff... So the time from 2004 until when I met Brian is when I was seriously involved in, like, many different bands around the city playing a lot of different styles. So that stuff really basically it just gave me a resume of experiences and and confidence to be able to step into Brian's band. Yeah. And after maybe I would say the learning curve probably was about two years. Okay. After that, it was, it was like, yeah, this, this was why all of those things happened. All those gigs led to this one, you Uh know, and it was, it it changed everything. It changed my whole life. It really did.
0: So what was that experience like playing in Brian's band? Like what, you know, what, what did you take away from that? And, you know how was that whole that i mean that was a long time 10 years
1: yeah you know and it's funny because um i'm actually going to be touring with him again for the first time in 3 years okay. um in no, in november doing like this three week run through the south and okay. the midwest but um it was an education okay. it was eye opening um you know and it was it was kind of daunting in a way um because once i found out the lineage of the saxophone players that was that played in his band like you know Eric Darius and, yeah. and uh you know guys like that and I'm, I'm starting to I don't want to leave anybody out so I'll just stop uh-huh. with my man Eric <laughs> um, but like all the guys Michael Lincoln, um what's my man that's here Steve Cole like yeah. just those three guys alone um you know and I'm filling those shoes and and at that point you know I've done a lot of soul gigs and I did my stuff and I did a lot of straight head gigs, but I really didn't do much, quote unquote, smooth jazz music. Yeah. So I had to learn how to approach the music okay. and I had to do it on the fly. And, you know, Culbertson's band, his his fan base, they are very loyal to the guys that they get to know. They so they are indeed. I had, yeah, man, I had to win them over. I had yeah. to win them over. But once once I did that and I started feeling comfortable, then it became an education from. Like me looking at Brian as an artist and how how he moves, you mm-hmm. know, musically, how he moves socially, how he moves in um, with his relationship with his fans and, and all of the things he does. And, and the thing that I can say about him that is probably that's the highest compliment I could pay him is he's always a step ahead of what's going on. Hmm. Like people follow the trend it's, in this music. He sets the trend yeah. and he he's different from most everyone else in the genre. And he's always thinking longer term, a bigger picture than like an average artist in the smooth jazz world would think. Yeah. And the other thing I can compliment him on was that, you know, it wasn't like you say, okay, you do this, but it was like, Hey man, I'm going to Sirius XM to do, um, you know, an in, uh, in studio performance, you want to tag along with me? Cool. Absolutely. I want to tag along. Yeah. With you. So he was, his door was open. And that stuff is what's led me to doing what I wound up eventually doing as an artist on my own.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. I mean, really, as I listening to you, it makes me think about, you know, thinking about just I don't know Brian, but I have I, I see him as way more than just an artist he is a businessman he's a he's a he's a oh, quintessential, yeah. quintessential businessman from whether it is his events to his you know the things he did over um covet to keep his brand front and center with people you know oh, yes to Absolutely. how he engages with his fans because you are right like i don't know if there's there's in, in this smooth jazz contemporary jazz world i don't know if there is a more loyal fan base in his fan base yeah, maybe, that's absolutely right. Maybe correct. Boney, but that's, that's you know, like those two are, it's there, those two are like in a different level.
1: Yeah, I would say Boney, I would say Brian, I'd also say Dave Koz.
0: Yes, Dave um, Koss, another one.
1: Like those, those guys really have a very, very loyal fan base. But to be honest with you, the fan base all across the board is pretty loyal. They yes. love, they love who they love and they love a lot of guys um, and they love a lot of artists, regardless yes. of, what level they're on because I've been able to develop some really loyal fans and following just from being associated with Brian. Yeah. And that's yeah that's been a great thing. That's yeah. been really, really cool.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with you. We just had our Fresh Coast Jazz Festival Fall Affair this past weekend. And I think you're right about the fan base because one of the things that, that I noticed too is like while they're loyal to those people that they love, they also are very, very interested in in new talent. And when Mm -hmm. new talent brings it, boy, they'll fall in love in a heartbeat.
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, and that's a great thing because it's all about the talent. They're having a good time. They're enjoying the show. So that's a great thing. Well, man, we're we're glad that you – that you chose music, we're glad that uh, that that your destiny wound up where it is because it's allowed people like us to be able to enjoy what you do and your gifts. So why don't we take a listen to another one of your songs? This is oh, "Between yeah. the Sheets" by Marquel Jordan.
3: Can't wait to be with you tonight. I'm intoxicated by your energy. You drive me crazy. I'm feeling the vibe and it's alright. We're gonna dance and groove all night between the sheets. So come on, baby. Yeah, yeah. Gonna make it alright. Gonna make it alright. Baby, you're perfect in every way Let me kiss you, touch you, set your spirit free Can you feel me? Going deeper, baby Hiding inside your world is where I want to be Yeah We can touch the sky Then I realize you're the one for me I'm deep inside your love our love's from above only you and me between You're the one for me ooh I'm deep inside
0: We just heard marquel jordan our guest today with between the sheets so marquel we do this segment on each show um we mm-hmm. call it about it or doubt it all right okay if you're about it it's something you like if you doubt it it's something you just aren't quite feeling so are you up for playing
1: yeah just as long as i don't get in trouble i'm good we won't get you in trouble man i promise
0: all right all right, all right let's go right, ahead let's, let's do, do this let's do it i started this body if you it, get him
3: up I mean, you body, body. I mean yes, sir. By by. I, it's 99, it's
1: 99.
2: I doubt
0: it. <laughs> so, how we do this, man, is we spin our wheel to get you a category. So, let's spin the wheel. All right, man. Your category today is TV shows. All Ooh, right. Okay. About it or doubt it? TV news. TV news. Oh man, that's hard because
1: <laughs> I'd have to say doubt it. Okay. If, okay. if we're talking about just regular news that you see every night, yeah. Um, the local news, it it it, it gets pretty depressing. Yeah. Um, but you know, at the same time, it's informative and you got to watch it. So I, I'm leaning a little more towards doubt it than yeah. about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. I feel you. I know yeah. there's been there's been periods where I like news. My wife is a news junkie. And I've had to say to her, okay. Hey, look, sweetheart, you I think you gotta dial this back some because it's starting <laughs> to impact you some, you know. <laughs> so exactly. I, I feel you on that, man. Like some and some days you just don't like, you know, like the positive. I think there's there's probably uh the ratio of negative to positive stories, is probably at least three negative stories for every one positive story you get. So you gotta figure out how yeah. much of that am I taking in, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Okay, well, let's do one more. Let's do one more. Uh, about okay. it or doubt it, cartoons. Oh, man. Old cartoons, about it. Okay. New ones, yeah. doubt it. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. 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 I'm completely you know with it. you. Okay, all right. <laughs> so so hit me up on some of those old cartoons that you like. Oh, man, I,
1: I love the Flintstones. I love yeah. the Jetsons um i really liked uh, bugs bunny yeah um you know when you're young you don't think about the other overtones and, you know now you know now you can't watch anything because everything is through a microscope so yeah you're right you know i didn't i just thought bugs was cool yeah, you know i didn't yeah. really think about any of that other stuff like that would be my top three though Flintstones, okay. bugs bunny and the jetsons yeah you Used a yeah, yeah. lot of those shows okay
0: now, see, I'm 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 with you on some of those two. Mine, one of mine were the I was I was a big fan of the Justice League back in the day, and, okay. And and I'm I'm dating myself with this one for sure, but Speed Racer, that was my oh yeah, That was my I used jam. To that too, I'd get home yep. from school if I if I'd have homework, I'd have to I'd have to do Speed Racer, man. I have to do Speed Racer. You know what?
1: And what's funny, just to further a point, really quickly, it's like yeah most of the reason why we dug those old cartoons was the music. Yeah. Like yeah, the music on those cartoons was incredible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. incredible
0: music. Yeah. Yeah. You know? You're not kidding. And I tell you, we're, we're Christmas is not that far away. And
2: mm-hmm. Christmas
0: time, there's a couple that I have to watch. Like one is the Grinch and the music on the Grinch is, I love the music in the Grinch, right? It's not Christmas, yeah, music, Christmas yeah. to me until I've watched the Grinch I've watched mm-hmm. A Year Without a Santa Claus, Heat Miser and Snow Miser. There's some other good music in there, right? <laughs> and I've oh, heard, yeah, I,
1: how could I forget Charlie Brown, man? Did yes. Yes,
0: yeah. yes. And yeah. then I have to hear, I have to hear Santa Claus Come Straight to the Ghetto by James Brown. And I gotta hear This Christmas by yes, Donny Hathaway. Holidays just ain't there happen until those things happen for me. So at all. At all, man. Yeah. So I understand. being being a um a vocalist and a saxophone player. How do mm-hmm. you determine when a song needs your voice or a song really needs your saxophone to carry that song?
1: You know what? That's, that's a perplexing and great question. It's one that, while I'm trying to finish this record up that I'm working on now, uh-huh. it's one that I'm, I'm struggling with right now because there's songs, you know, I, I kind of envision the path of my career going like George Benson, you okay. know, and George Benson when he became really popular with that album, um, Breezin', the Breezin' album, you know, there was only one vocal tune on there. And then subsequent albums, more vocal songs, more Mm -hmm. vocal songs. And then it got to a point where he was doing mostly vocal stuff and just a little bit of guitar, like in the mid-'80s. So for me, I want to up the ante on vocals because everybody really seems to enjoy that stuff. I enjoy doing it. And I'm a late bloomer when it comes to singing. I didn't sing as a lead vocalist and in fronting a band until I moved to Chicago. So mm-hmm. I was 25 years old when I really started doing it seriously. But if the melody can stand on its own without words, then obviously okay. saxophone. Yeah. Um because that that tells more of a story really. Um the the lyrics lock you into whatever story because of the the verbal, you know, content of it. Mm-hmm. But the beautiful thing I think about instrumental music is people can interpret it however they feel whatever speaks to them is that's what they bring to the music that's you so know true. when they're hearing it
0: yeah 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 well i look forward to and i'm sure a lot of fans look forward to hearing you stretching out more on vocals too because like one of the things that i noticed too is there aren't a lot of male vocalists in this contemporary jazz lane you know
3: Yes. And, yeah. you know, yeah.
0: there's a few women vocalists that are doing really, really well, but we really can use some male vocalists in this lane, I think.
2: I agree.
1: I mean, I agree, you know, and, and I think the challenge is going to be for the the radio promoters and the people yeah. who market and play the music is to look at vocals as part of this package. And yeah. it's a little, it's a little mind-boggling to me when I think about it because a lot of the stations will play Chardet or they'll play you know some of the the ballads from Luther Vandross or
2: mm-hmm. or things of that
1: nature you know or if Peebo Bryson comes out with a single and it's in its shop to Smooth Jazz Radio you know mm-hmm. that's that's welcomed but as an artist or as a, an emerging artist it's a little more of a challenge you know because as of yet you know I put out two records and uh i've never i have yet to release a vocal song as a single okay um i've only done instrumental stuff but if you come to see me perform live i'm definitely getting my sing on on in the show yeah
2: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> you know yeah.
1: so it's it's i definitely want to bring more of that to the table um and we'll just have to see what happens we'll good. see what happens
0: good so when you're not making music man how do you spend your time what do you enjoy doing you
1: know, it's, it's been really nuts this year. Uh-huh. <laughs> there really hasn't there hasn't been much downtime. I okay. think once once people started um, booking bands and booking live music, sure. we went from doing this much to like this much. Yeah. It's it's been crazy. So I haven't really had much time, but you know, I'm enjoying just some downtime watch watch little TV. Yeah. I'm a huge basketball fan, diehard Lakers fan.
0: Okay. okay. Uh,
1: you know, oh, congratulations to the Bucks for winning yes, the NBA championship. My team. That's good stuff. <laughs> I was happy I was happy to see them win, you yeah. know. Um and, you know, just those kinds of things, check out a movie, maybe check out some music. Checking okay. out music is a challenge for me to do though. Okay. It it really so? is. Cuz it, it's hard for me to not be critical of the music yeah. I'm listening to. Yeah. Or be critical of the sound or or yeah. or it it almost becomes like a uh, you know, like a a book report or a project or a review because I'm like, okay, oh, those guys are doing this. I I should put that in my show. Oh, well, why did they do that? Or I see how the crowd is reacting to this. So it has to be somebody that I absolutely love on an artist level where I can just leave all of that musician self artist stuff at the door. And I can just come in as a fan and enjoy the music. Yeah. Um, those are the shows that I try to go to or yeah. the shows of my friends okay. that I know uh, in the business or here in town, locally.
0: You know, you raise a really good point that I think a lot of people don't really understand is that it's how like I know for me as a as a festival promoter, I have the same issue when I go to somebody else's yeah. event. Right. Because I'm analyzing mm-hmm. everything. I was just at an event not that long ago and I'm I'm. I'm analyzing the ticket-taking process. I'm analyzing the bathrooms. I'm analyzing the food. I'm analyzing the you know, the, the length of the sets. I'm analyzing what's going on on the <laughs> stage. I'm, and I said to yeah. my wife, it was a two-day event, luckily. I said to my wife, I said, you know what? Tomorrow I just have to be able to enjoy this because we came all this way. I yeah. need to be able to enjoy it. And so – I don't think people really understand, like, when you're, like you as a musician, you're not a musician from 9 to 5. You're a musician 24-7, right?
2: And so all
0: of those things impact your artistry and who you are as an artist. And it is, it's interesting. So that's, I I love that that, that you brought that up because, yeah, sometimes it's easy to go see something that maybe it's out of my lane, but then I can really sit back and enjoy it, you know?
1: Exactly. You know, and I, people ask me all the time. So well, what do you listen to now? Or who are you into? Or what is this that? And of course, I have those artists and those people. But I tell people, I said, you know, most musicians, we don't listen to music for leisure anymore. Yeah, yeah. we're listening to learn something. We're not listening as a fan, you know, yeah. or I have to like I have a show tonight with uh uh the great artist Nathan Mitchell from okay. Florida. Yeah. You know, so you know, I've spent a lot of time listening to his music the last couple of days and trying to get that under my skin. So, you know, if there was something new that came out that somebody's really into right now, I, I don't have the ears to even be able to or the time yeah. to be able to listen to it the way I would like to. You know, yeah. that's the one thing I think I do miss yeah. is be, being able to listen to music and just enjoy it for music's sake. Mm-hmm, you know,
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. no, I, I get you 100 percent there. So what is yeah. something that fans would be surprised to learn about you, man?
1: Um, <laughs> oh man, surprised to know about me. Um, it's a hard question. I, I would say that you know I'm pretty OCD, but uh-huh. I think people might be able to peg me for that. Um, you know, and that I can be impatient. You know, okay. in, in general, when I approach people or when people are approaching me, I'm I'm very cool and and very laid back. But you know, there's. There's the other side of me that definitely can be a little bit of a jerk and a little bit impatient. So I try uh-huh. to keep that at bay a little bit.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> now see, I've never seen yeah. I, I mean I've, I've I've we haven't been around each other a lot just a little bit but we right. had a chance to to chat a little bit. I would have never I would have never gotten the impatient thing. Or, or yeah. jerk. I would never I would never get jerk from you because the times I've engaged with you, you've always been, you know, really chill and really, you know, thoughtful. I, w- I would definitely say this is a thoughtful brother. Right. I can tell that you are you're a deep thinker. Right. But never would have got a jerk you. or impatient from you.
1: Yeah. You know, I think I think you show those sides of yourself to the people that are
0: closest to you. That's so- a good point. Yeah. I
1: try not to. I'm I'm really trying to get better at that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. We'll We'll see how it goes, man. man it's man, just me, all a process. Me and you are working on some of the same issues, man. <laughs> We're
2: Life long on some of the Same
0: things, man. I tell you, right? It yeah, it's a look. continuous improvement thing, right? Well, mm-hmm. well, let's take a listen to another one of your songs, man. Let's listen to uh, the Edge. This is this is our guest today, Marquel Jordan. Yeah. Just heard the edge by today's guest, Marquel Jordan. So when you talk you just talked a little bit about, you know, going to see shows, what was the last show you went to see that you really, really dug and that just took you took you someplace?
1: Hmm. It's been a while since I actually been to a show just to go to a show. Like mm-hmm. it'll I might watch someone in a festival setting where, you know, we get a chance to see each other but I'm still performing.
0: Yeah. Man,
1: I, I would have to think back. I'd have to really, really, really think back and think about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Man, it's been a while. It's been a while. And okay. and I think that's frustrating though, because you want to be inspired, man. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's different to be in a festival and it's like, I'm playing and then like the last, one of the last festivals I did, I did Phil Denny's festival in August. Yeah. So Phil was performing and uh, Demetrius neighbors performed, And then I was in between those two guys. And so I was able to enjoy their sets, but it's like, oh, okay, well I got to go stop warm up. Yeah. And then my show is over and I got to go sign CDs, but Phil's performing. But, you know, in those instances, it's, it's, it's hard to do, but I will say like the last nine, well, I just did a show with the Isley brothers. I, I, yeah. I play in the horn section and I'm a horn arranger for them. We just had a show in Atlanta this past weekend. And whenever I do that gig, I'm always thinking like, man, I'm on stage with legends. Yeah, I'm right, on stage with right. guys who have influenced the Beatles, Lenny Kravitz, yeah. any slow jam artist that came up, all of the hip hop artists who sampled them. Like they've, they've inspired people for decades. And, I just had a moment while we were on stage and I was just watching Mr. Ronald Isley performing. He's 80 years old. Yeah. And he's out there in Atlanta. It wasn't it wasn't super hot, but it was like close to 80 degrees. Yeah. He has on a full length, like really super dope jacket. You know, he's got a hat on and he's doing this, you know, and it takes a lot of energy to perform. And I was just, I was in awe. Yeah. Cause he was killing. The band was killing, he was killing, and Ernie sounded great as well. And I was just thinking, like, man, this is inspiring. This is a great yeah. thing to be a part of, yeah. you know. So I was part of the show, but I was watching the show at the same time. So gotcha. that, that was cool. That's probably the last one.
0: Okay, okay. You yeah. mentioned somebody uh, as you were talking about that that is one of those that I'm I'm waiting to see myself, and that is Lenny Kravitz.
1: Ooh, yeah, man.
0: I've never yeah. had an opportunity to see him, but I would love to. And my wife happens to be um, a, a love rock and roll music, and she turned me on. She last August, she or two August ago, she um, she wanted to go and see John Mayer, and I mm-hmm. had never seen John Mayer. And I gotta tell you, like you were talking about, I left that I left that venue thinking, oh my God, I think I just witnessed one of the one of the best guitar players in this world. When I saw Kamir, yeah. I would have never known it because I, I knew his music, but I wasn't that familiar. But when that dude got mm-hmm. on stage, man, it was just phenomenal. So,
1: yeah, you know, and he has a guitarist that plays that's from Chicago who's actually a young guitar genius, okay, uh, by the name of Isaiah Sharkey. Yeah, a magnificent artist. He's incredible. He might not have been with, he doesn't do every show job. John, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, man, that, that guy is incredible. So, for him to have someone who's a, like a guitar virtuoso playing guitar next to him, yeah. and then John can play that well, too, like, that just shows how confident he is in his abilities. Yeah. And that, you know, he's not intimidated by greatness being, you know, that's the I think that's the other thing to go back to what you were asking me earlier. The great artists aren't intimidated by other people's greatness.
2: Yeah. They actually yeah.
1: encourage it. Yeah. They actually yeah. want you to be great. And, and they get off on watching that too. So that's that's real cool.
0: That's a really good point. I had Najee on a few, a few months ago and he made basically that very point. And he made, so he said something that was really poignant. He said, just because someone else is winning doesn't mean I'm losing, you know? And he talked about how important it is for him to put people on stage with him who are great at what they do and to help them rise. You know, now that is a sign of confidence. No doubt about it. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: So I'm I'm gonna hit you with a couple of questions and a couple more questions that I like to ask everybody. Okay, so jog your memory oh, okay. a little bit on these two. Okay, the the Gash first it. one is your your top three albums of all time. Break those down. Okay, uh,
1: songs in the key of life, hands down. Yeah, because um, it, it has everything. Mm-hmm. Um. um it's a toss-up between Miles Davis' "Kind of Blue" or John Coltrane's "The Love Supreme."
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Um, and then the next one would be a toss-up between either Michelle and um "Peace Beyond Passion," okay, or a Tribe Called Quest's "Midnight Marauders" album. Ooh, like,
0: wow, yeah,
1: yeah, like any. Give me any of those five that I just mentioned, yeah. I would be happy because I, there's just the cross connections through all the different music that I'm into and what inspires yeah. me. You can find it in all of that stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Michelle and the Gayo cello. That is one that I, I think a lot of people, um, I, boy, I, I really, I think a lot of people slept on her, you know? Yeah. I think yeah. a lot of people slept on her because that was, that is a talented woman. That is a talented yeah. woman. I'll never forget. So, when, Plantation Lullabies came out. And I was just, like, Ooh. mesmerized by that one, man. Yeah, yeah.
1: So that actually, now going back to your other question, was the last performance I saw that inspired me. Uh-huh. Michelle DeGiccello. Okay. Blue Alley, Washington, D.C., 2020. Wow. Um, okay. And I, I was there right before the Capitol Jazz Fest. And um, a good friend of mine was able to get comp tickets to go. So uh-huh. it was really broken down. Just her, a bass player, a keyboardist, and a drummer. Yeah. Really... You know, in a jazz club setting intimately, like That's she was cool. less than 10 feet away from me. It was an amazing experience. That, that sounds, was the one.
0: That sounds like that would have been amazing. That sounds like. That. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All man. right. It was dope. All right. So my other my other one that I ask everybody is, OK, you're having a dinner party. You can invite any three people living <clears> or, or, or deceased to that dinner party. Who's at Marquel Jordan's dinner party? <sighs>
1: Ooh, wow uh Malcolm X mm-hmm. would love to talk to him
0: yeah
1: um let's see hmm. uh the other two the other two Harriet Tubman
0: okay that's a good would one
1: would love to talk to her and uh John Coltrane
0: yeah yeah good yeah that would be yeah. a heck of a party man that would Absolutely. Be some, some serious knowledge being thrown about Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great answers, man. Great answers. So so, what does the rest of 2021 and 2022 hold for you, man?
1: Well, um, I've got a few shows on my own. Um, I'm actually going to be uh, performing at the Cancun Jazz Festival. Um, oh, cool. Like, Not on the main stage, but on a few of the side stages. I'll okay. uh, be, be doing that. Uh, got a few shows with the Izzy Brothers. And as I mentioned, I'll be going out with... Brian Culbertson in November for this uh, three-week run that he has and finishing up my record. So that's pretty much what I got happening and just leaning to 2022 to do it big, man. I'm looking forward to it. I think hopefully, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed that we will be past the worst of this pandemic Uh, and things will get back to normal, you know, and we'll see what happens.
0: Absolutely. Well, man, I want to say that it has been an absolute pleasure to be able to uh reconnect and chop it up with you a little bit we really appreciate you taking the time out today to spend a little time with us and we wish you nothing but continued success marquel
1: thank you carl man thanks for having me thank you for your platform and for supporting the music and um i look forward to seeing you in person and and performing at the festival plug plug in the future (laughs) we're
0: gonna get you there soon we will get you there real soon all right All right. Thanks, man. man. Thank you. God bless, brother. All right. God bless you as well. All right. I also want to take a moment today to thank our original and ongoing sponsor of the Fresh Coast Jazz Festival, Laffey, Lightner and Good. LLG is Milwaukee's premier civil litigation firm with a national reputation for big firm results for its clients. Their relentless commitment to clients in the courtroom is matched only by their authentic and consistent commitment to their home, Milwaukee. Thanks again, LLG, for your support of Fresh Coast Jazz Festival. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com, to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage.